Professors FM. Doug, as you know, we have joined the Professors FM podcast network. So it's extremely exciting. It's like for the first time in my life, I'm going to have academic friends. This is big. And as part of this, we're going to talk about some of the other shows on the network. One of the things we talk a lot about in terms of sports analytics is the role of incentives, right? It's all about incentives. And so one of the other shows on the network is called Taxes for the Masses, brought to you by Lisa DeSimone from the University of Texas and Bridget Stomberg from Indiana University. And so what these two ladies do is they dive into all things taxes. I think it's a great compliment to what we do. In some ways, there's nothing bigger in public policy than taxes in terms of shaping the economy and society because taxes change how people behave. So, you know, give it a listen. Great show. Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Welcome, everyone. This is Mike Lewis with the Fanalytics Podcast. How are you doing today, Doug? I am well. The NBA is returning, and it looks like we might actually have actual sporting events to talk about here um, at some point this summer. And so, I am in good spirits. Okay, so why don't you give me the rundown on what is going to happen with the NBA, and I may or I may not interject as you as you go through the details because I, I agree this is a this is a major step forward into what I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> sports is very much in flux at this point. So where uh, when is the NBA going to move? What are they going to do? Yeah, so. Timeline-wise, we're looking at a July 31st return to play. So that is when the regular season will pick up. We're looking at 22 teams. So essentially the NBA took the 16 teams that are currently in playoff positions um, and then the six teams that are within six games of of those seeds, and then everyone else is done. So essentially they're trying to minimize the number of teams in Orlando. And again, this is going to be at Disney World, which we've discussed before. It kind of felt like a joke at first, um, but that Bob Iger relationship with Chris Paul and you know the Disney partnership with the NBA through ABC apparently paid dividends. And ESPN, right? Right, exactly. So, so nothing would happen for seven weeks. So what, what is this, uh, have, have they said, are, are teams going back to uh, some sort of mini training camp yep. is, or is, is this still being negotiated with the players? How concrete is the, the plan at this point? Yeah. So right now everything's laid out as if it's going to happen. Of course, things could change in the world and the NBA would have to adjust. But right now it's looking like the players outside of the U S so foreign NBA players um, are expected to return to the United States by June 15th. Uh, and then a week from then, so June 22nd, the NBA will begin testing for COVID-19. If a player tests positive, they have to be quarantined for at least a week. Um, and I'm sure they would retest and go through that process. Um, but then teams are beginning training camps in June 30th. So it's like there's going to be a new season. Training camp is beginning on the 30th. 
And then by July 7th, teams are arriving at Disney World, which is hilarious to me still to think about. Like, I wonder if they'll be like riding the rides and stuff um, on their off days. Is Mickey and Snow White going to meet them at the airport? Yeah. And like, are they staying at the resorts, you know, like on the monorail? And anyway, teams are arriving at Disney July 7th. And then they have several weeks of, of practice before the season resumes. Once the season does resume, it's a very short remainder of the regular season so i believe teams are playing eight games well i guess it's it's just interesting right so they're, they're going to pick up the season in july 31st when would the playoffs begin and where would the playoffs end yeah i know the playoffs would end by like the last possible day of the nba finals if it were to go to game seven would end um october the 12th okay okay and then i would expect the playoffs to begin maybe two and a half weeks into that season. And so the playoffs will be a normal time frame. I think it's going to be real squeezed at first once the season resumes with those eight games. The schedule has not been laid out at this point, but the expectation is for teams to be playing games during the day, um, things of that nature. So uh, the 22 teams um, that are still in play will play eight games. But of those 22 teams, you know, the NBA season has looked differently for each of them. And so some of them have played, you know, like 64 games coming into this. And some of them have played like 60 games. Um, and so there's going to be an uneven number of games played across teams. So the playoff seeding is going to be based on win percentage. Um, and if teams have the same win percentage, they'll use standard tiebreakers that the NBA uses traditionally for the playoffs. Now, now here's a question, and I don't know that this, I've, I've read some of the articles too, and I haven't seen this reported. You know, one of the things that seems to be troubling Major League Baseball is negotiations with the players in terms of coming up with a system that works for all. In the case of the NBA, what happens to the, what happens to player compensation in particular players that are not going to play the last eight games of the season? Has anything been negotiated? Has anything been public on that? Yeah, so... Roughly 15% of the NBA schedule, the full original NBA schedule that was agreed to, will not be played, uh, which means players stand to lose around $600 million total in salary. That's across the league. It looks like they're essentially adjusting the pay by the number of games that are being played. But the number of games that are being played, not, I mean, so some play, so some players are playing more games. Trey Young, you know, and I just throw him out there as sort right. of the, the local Atlanta star. He is made, his compensation will be prorated at the same level as someone that plays for the Lakers that is going to play the full version. I mean, and maybe this maybe this isn't clear yet. Yeah, I have not seen clarification on the teams that will not be playing and and how it's prorated for the teams that make it further in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, and it's it's just an interesting. It, it reveals the complexity of this kind of situation, right? Exactly. Where potentially some guy has to go, go out there and put another eight games on their body, right? Or more than eight games on their body. But it's also, you, I mean, so you can make a case in either direction. The guy that's putting more wear and tear on the body wants to be compensated for that versus the player that is not eligible to play also doesn't want to be hurt by that. Um, but it, it, it seems like that the NBA... Is it a little bit more in alignment, let's say, the players and the owners in terms of moving forward on these things than perhaps Major League Baseball or oh, we'll see certainly. with the NFL as well? 
Certainly. It seems as though the consensus among players in the NBA has been to get back to playing, and I, I guess the negotiations have gone much more smoothly than the MLB as far as uh, you know, players' willingness to take a little less pay in order to get back, because they ultimately know how much they would be losing if the season didn't continue at all. Oh, it, it's, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and I keep, not to keep bringing, I mean, this is interesting, the NBA being the first mover back, potentially being the first league to start putting product out there for, you know, on the airwaves to, for the, the mass of fans. I can't help but compare it to MLB, though, given how sticky those negotiations seem to have been. Whereas, is the NBA, because now the NBA is firmly into Major League Baseball's schedule, and it sounds like their playoffs would be going on at the same time as MLB's stretch run and playoffs would be occurring as well. So it's it's interesting that those two leagues could find themselves in competition. Mm-hmm. Um, suddenly, things could be very crowded, right? The NFL, college football. Exactly. Everything coming, you know, this immense like explosion of sports at the end of the summer. Exactly. And, and not to forget that we're going to be having a presidential election at the time and debates will be airing. And so it's looking like this fall is going to be, there's going to be a ton of content being pushed out as far as sports and entertainment and politics. For example, October 15th is when the NBA draft is scheduled to take place. Um, but the, there's going to be a Thursday night NFL game that night subject to change, of course, between the Chiefs and Bills. And then there's a second presidential debate that night as well. And it's three weeks before the election. Right. And and college football will be going on. And, you know, it, it's possibly the MLB as well. So this fall could end up <laughs> being pretty, pretty crazy, even outside of what's going on in our country. Well, and, and let, you know, we'll spend more time on... I think the, uh, let's say the social sure. environment or the political environment surrounding sports. And I think we need to, I, I, I don't want to dive into it today, but because it's, uh, it's such a rapidly evolving situation, but, mm-hmm. but I think it's pretty, I think your, your point is really well taken that as the presidential campaign picks up speed, it is very likely that sports is going to be a significant element of the campaign in terms of Mm -hmm. how it plays out in in terms of the various social dynamics i mean we have already seen that and and frankly we've seen this growing and growing in power for the last few years with teams not going to the white house Mm -hmm. um you know just over the last weekend we've had drew Brees uh putting a statement out there and then having to apologize multiple times for it we are coming up as a, and as an observer of sports and why I don't want to sort of delve, I don't want to be in a position where I'm making predictions of how this is going to go. But if we just sort of lay out what's happening in the environment, we've had some pretty significant structural, uh, structural impacts or sort of shocks to the sports system, right? We had, we had COVID-19 mm-hmm. essentially shutting down all of sports for multiple for multiple months. You know, you could imagine that some fans are really eager to get back into it. It sounds like that's the that's sort of the the way you've ended up in this. You can imagine that there might be other fans that are looking at this going, "Why did I spend so much time watching sports?" Right? Mm-hmm. Now as we're coming back into this, we've had a, a series of riots which have turned up the the political the political fires to 11. Um, 
And that becomes increasingly relevant given the situation with Kaepernick, teams not going to the White House, Drew Brees' apologies, uh, Roger Goodell now saying that they, the NFL was on the wrong side of the Colin Kaepernick situation. So, you know, coming off this shock to the system of not playing for three months, as we go back into this, you can imagine that there's going to be an immense amount of politics going on. It's going to be a crazy intense time. Absolutely. And I think sports will play a bigger part in this election than maybe any election in history, uh, partially because of the timing of everything where we're going to have multiple professional sports leagues returning um, in a time where players are expected to speak up more than ever. And uh, it's Mm -hmm. certainly going to be interesting to see the effect of the return of sports to larger parts of our culture, such as the presidential election. Well, it, it the strangeness of all this, right? The NBA could return, and we could very, very quickly have one of the more relevant stories being when they play the national anthem at the NBA, at the return of the NBA on July 31st, how many of those players are going to be kneeling? So, so this is truly a remarkable situation. It'll be really kind of interesting to see how sports comes, how sports comes out of it. And, you know, and even though the let's say the the mood of the country seems to have well it's it's highly dynamic it seems to be shifting rapidly always got to remember and this is where the academic observer of sports in me is going to come out that this presidential election Donald Trump is going to receive somewhere between 47 and 52% of the popular vote which suggests that You've got a really divided country in, in mm. terms of the politics. And now sports is going to be sort of in the crosshairs of all of that, coming off a three-month you know, timeout across all the major leagues. Wow. Mm. It's going to be an interesting time to be a, to be a sports fan or a, or a professor of sports. Absolutely. And my, I guess, what I'm looking forward to seeing or what I'm interested to see is how much sports unites people um, or if it actually adds to the division and, and continues to you know divide the country in ways that we've seen in recent weeks and that's a good way for you to put it and also to say this because i have a feeling we're going to be talking more about politics because the world's going to force it to force us to right you watch the talking heads on espn and they are spending more time talking about social issues and politics mm-hmm. than they are about sports at this point so i we're going to have to we're going to have to take it head on. I will do the uh, I'll do the heavy lifting on that stuff, Doug. I'm a tenured professor. And so if there's any minds to be stepped on in terms of talking about politics and sports, I'll be the one that uh, steps on those. I appreciate your sacrifice, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, returning to, uh, you know, to the NBA and, and what's going on, one unique part of this uh, structure is that there's going to be a potential play-in game for the playoffs or play-in series for the playoffs. So if you look at the East and the West, um, Eastern Conference, you've got nine teams vying for the three unclinched playoff berths. And in the Western Conference, Memphis, Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento, San Antonio, and Phoenix are all fighting for one spot. And so if two of those teams are close enough, and by close enough, I mean if they're within four games of each other um, for the, between the eighth and the ninth seed, and because there's only eight teams in the playoffs, there will be a play-in 
series, it'll be best of two, which is interesting to me because if the, if the team that's in eighth place ties the series, they only have to win one game, they will advance into the playoffs, whereas the team in ninth place has a chance to make it, but they have to win two games in a row against the team in eighth. And uh, one potential storyline that could come out of that in the West is Ja Morant and Zion Williamson, who are the number one, number two picks, um, are potentially going to be in those positions, eight and nine. Uh, currently, there are four teams that are really within that four-game range, in the, or five teams um, in, in the Western Conference. So it's another, you know, it's new territory for the NBA, having a, a play-in series for the playoffs. Um, oh, it's it's... It's a great wrinkle, and I think this really um, this highlights what it is that we love about sports and why we, you know, are fixated and fascinated by it. Um, so think about all the underlying dimensions of this the, this story. We've got two future NBA stars, two of the two of the guys that are likely to be top five, top ten players for the next decade, mm-hmm. fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, while simultaneously you can also you can also say, well, these guys were picked one and two in the draft, uh, so potentially teams could go to Orlando and actually engage in a little bit of tanking, right? Because we've learned over time that the key to the key to winning in the NBA is having elite talent. Mm-hmm. So if you're not going to make a deep run, well, maybe you want to be in that. Uh, if you're not going to make a deep run, maybe you want whatever small chance you have of getting a premium lottery pick. Mm-hmm. Um, the other things that come to mind is, in some ways, the stories write themselves. So this kind of battle between the the top two picks in the league, this is going to make for great TV. It, and, you know, the NBA, Disney, ESPN have given themselves a good chunk of time to figure out how they're going to do the storytelling and sort of in the special features. This could be truly an amazing sports entertainment package from, you know, you know, literally having the Disney princesses meet them at the airport, (laughs) having these guys live at the, the all-star or the, uh, the, the animal kingdom lodges and then hitting these dramatic points of one versus two for the play-in. And then, you know, after that's established, then suddenly we can switch over to LeBron versus Kawhi, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's it's the magic of sports and the stories that we, we love, which will be coming online very quickly and in a very kind of controlled fashion, which will let the the broadcasters and the storytellers really work potentially a lot of magic on this. Mm -hmm. You mentioned tanking um, and the value that that has for NBA franchises in the long term. And I had to bring up the Golden State Warriors. I really view them as a winner of this whole situation. You're looking at a team that's clearly been the dynasty of, of recent years, but this year because of injury was at the bottom of the league at, at the point when coronavirus ended the season, but it was likely to be returning some of the players that have been missing. And in my opinion, the Golden State Warriors were likely to climb back up to a lower draft pick, essentially, and uh, still not make the playoffs. And so this cemented their chances at, you know, they have the <laughs> highest odds at the number one pick um, in the NBA draft lottery. This whole thing could have really benefited them in the long run because they weren't going anywhere this year. Well, you know, the NBA does seem to have a uh, a long history of maybe not even real, but potential 
or sort of fun to think about conspiracies to continually reload or put talent into places where they want it to be. Mm -hmm. Going all the way back to uh, Red Arbach, uh, finding uh, finding loopholes in the NBA draft laws to get Larry Bird a little bit early, to Mm -hmm. Patrick Ewing, uh, the Knicks pulling the refrigerated or the frozen envelope out of the lottery drum. So, you know, e- even even better that the that they're keeping the Warriors out of it so that they can, you know, better position that, which is it's an interesting thing as a longtime observer. The Golden State truly has become one of the marquee brands. Um, and, and that's a great story, right? Because that it does take the kind of historic run that Golden State went on or the Bulls went on in the 90s to get to that next really iconic level of franchise. And so what a happy coincidence for the NBA. Yeah, well, it's certainly a happy coincidence for the Golden State Warriors. I've got a team that's returning Steph Curry and Draymond Green off injury as well as Klay Thompson. And if you look at the schedule going into next season, again, the last possible day of the NBA Finals is October 12th, 2020. NBA Draft is October 15th. Training camp for the 2020-2021 season begins November 10th, and the season begins on December 1st. So this Warriors team could end up with Steph Curry fresh, Klay Thompson fresh, Draymond Green fresh, Andrew Wiggins fresh, and a potential number one pick or what they could trade that for all well-rested, whereas a team like the Los Angeles Lakers or the Los Angeles Clippers um, would be you know, a month removed from having played multiple seven-game series um, and, and worn down with aging rosters. So, again, I think it's a very happy coincidence for the Golden State Warriors, and I think this could be uh, the rebirth of a dynasty um, if, if certain things happen, they stay healthy and, and uh, land a favorable slot in the lottery. Yeah, it's a, it's a very nice story. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the stories play out. I have to think that you know, it, it, look. You made the point, right? We'll see Ja Morant play against uh, Zion for the for the playoffs, mm-hmm. and then as the playoffs go in, we will definitely see a, a LeBron versus um, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, you know, hopefully that'll work out for the NBA. But then all of this then resulting in fairly exhausted players coming back into a new season versus some mm-hmm. of the other NBA teams. And I think you're dead on. This sets up for a really interesting rebirth of of the Golden State Warriors. Um, what's kind of great about this whole thing is we can almost we can almost predict the narratives and the stories that are going to be told, but you know what? We're going to enjoy them as they come, on, as they come <laughs> online and they actually happen. Yeah, and, and the exciting thing about sports is that um, it doesn't always go how you'd expect. Last year, we certainly wouldn't have predicted the Toronto Raptors to win the NBA Finals and then Kawhi to leave. Um, so... Again, there's there's a lot to look forward to just as a sports fan, and uh, of I course, mean, you know, I mean, as an aside on all this, this change in the schedule will almost make the NBA feel more like the NFL, who was sort of the masters of of coming up with year round programming to keep the fans engaged, mm-hmm. and so the NBA will not disappear from our roster starting. And again, if they're starting July 31st, they are going to have a major media appearance from at least the beginning of. July and so very quickly going through the regular season to the playoffs to the draft to an abbreviated free abbreviated free agents session uh, or time period and then very quickly going into the next season in December 1st they've positioned themselves 
to be very strong in terms of having a lot of a lot of exposure. So why don't why don't we cut it here? Um, I'm excited. I, I'm probably not as excited as you are, Doug. I mean, the idea of the NBA coming back it's it's kind of great. It's like things are going to start up. I uh, you know I know you're you're very eager to jump back into watching the games. Oh yeah. I'm I'm more interested in seeing how all this is going to play out as everything essentially comes back online at the same time in terms of the logistics of the fan experience. It's going to be an amazing thing to watch both on the court or in the arena and in terms of how these organizations manage their fan bases and how they start to tell the stories. So why don't we why don't we cut it here? The only other thing I want to remind pe- folks of is that we are continuing with our Sports Analytics University, our Fanalytics University project. We are two sessions in, uh, so if you want to check that out, you can find uh, links to the two episodes at www.fanalyticswithmikelewis.com. So until next week, take care.